And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is May the 18th. 138th day of the year. 227 days remain until the year's over with. Well, it's also uh, an interesting uh, day. Where's my list? Okay. It's National Notebook Day. You should open up a notebook and start writing. World Arac Day. National Cheese Souffle Day. International Museum Day. National Visit Your Relatives Day. Global Accessibility Awareness Day. National No Dirty Dishes Day. Go wash the dishes. National Stationery Week. May is National Barbecue Week. It's National, uh, excuse me, National Barbecue Month. National Bike Month. National Hamburger Month. So barbecue some hamburgers. National Get Caught Reading Month. National Photography Month. Ehlers Daniel Syndrome Awareness Month. National Military Appreciation Month. Golf Month. Better Speech and Language Month. National Deck Safety Month. Bladder Cancer Awareness Month. Prater Willie Syndrome Awareness Month. Lupus Awareness Month. National Lyme Disease Awareness Month. Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And National Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. All that having been said, in 332, Emperor Constantine the Great announces free distribution of food to the citizens in Constantinople. 872, Louis II of Italy is crowned for the second time as Holy Roman Emperor at Rome at the age of 47. His first coronation was 28 years before, in 844, during the reign of his father Lothair. 1096 saw the first crusade. Around 800 Jews were massacred in Worms, Germany. I still have no clue what this religious issue is. 1152, future Henry II of England names Eleanor of Aquitaine, marries Eleanor of Aquitaine. He became king two years later after the death of his cousin, King Stephen of England. 1160, excuse me, 1268, the Principality of Antioch, the Crusader State, falls to the Mamluk Sultan Bibers in the Siege of Antioch. 1291, the fall of Acre and the end of the Crusader presence in the Holy Land. 1302, Bruges, Matins, the nocturnal massacre of the French garrison in Bridges by members of the local Flemish militia, uh, happened on this date. 1388, during the Battle of Bullyard Lake, General Lan Yu links a mean army forward to crush the Mongol hordes of Togus Timur, the Khan of the Northern Yon. 1499, Alonso de Ojeda sets sail from Cadiz on his voyage to what's now Venezuela. 1565, the Great Siege of Malta begins. Ottoman forces attempt and fail to conquer Malta. 1593, playwright Thomas Kidd's accusations of heresy lead to an arrest warrant for Christopher Marlowe. 1631, Dorchester, Massachusetts, John Winthrop takes the oath of office and becomes the first governor of Massachusetts. 1652, slavery in Rhode Island is abolished, although the law is not rigorously enforced. 1695, the 1695 Linfen earthquake in Shanghai Qing Dynasty causes extreme damage and kills at least 52,000 people. 1756, the Seven Years' War begins while Great Britain declares war on France. 1783, first United Empire loyalists uh, reach uh, Partown, later called St. John, New Brunswick, in Canada after leaving the U.S. 
1794, Battle of Turakoing during the Flanders Campaign of the War of the First Coalition. 1803, Napoleonic Wars. UK revokes the Treaty of Amiens and declares war on France. 1804, Napoleon Bonaparte is declared Emperor of the French by the French Senate. 1811, Battle of Las Piedras. First great military triumph of the revolution of the Rio de la Plata in Uruguay, led by Jose uh, Artigas. 1812, John Bellingham is found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging for the assassination of British Prime Minister Spencer Percival. 1843, disruption in Edinburgh of the Free Church of Scotland from the Church of Scotland. 1848, opening of the first German National Assembly in Frankfurt, Germany. 1860, U.S. presidential judicial election. Abraham Lincoln wins the Republican Party presidential nomination over William H. Seward, who later becomes United States Secretary of State. 1863, American Civil War, the Siege of Vicksburg begins. 1896, United States Supreme Court rules in Plessy versus Ferguson that separate but equal doctrine is constitutional. 1896, also saw the Kodinka tragedy. A mass panic on Kodinka Field, Moscow, during the festivities of the coronation of Russian Tsar Nicholas II results in the death of 1,389 people. 1900, UK proclaims a protectorate over Tonga. 1912, the first Indian film, Sri Pundalik by Dada uh, Shahib um, Torne, is released in Mumbai. 1917, World War I, Selective Service Act of 1917 is passed, giving the President of the U.S. the power to conscript or draft. 1926, evangelist Amy Simple McPherson disappears in Venice, California. She was a very well-known evangelist. Um, also known as Sister Amy, or just Sister she was a Canadian Pentecostal evangelist and a media celebrity in the 20s and 30s. She was famous for founding the Four Squares Church. She pioneered the use of broadcast uh, mass media for wider dissemination of both religious services and appeals for donations. Used the radio to draw in both uh, additional audience and revenue with a growing appeal of popular entertainment and used stage techniques in her weekly sermons. In her time, she was the most publicized Protestant evangelist, even surpassing uh, Billy Sunday and other predecessors. She also conducted faith healing demonstrations involving tens of thousands of participants. Uh, her view of the U.S. as a nation found and sustained by divine inspiration influenced a lot of later pastors. National news coverage focused on events surrounding her family and church members, including accusations that her reported kidnapping was a fabrication. Her preaching style and extensive charity work and ecumenical contributions were a major influence on uh, 20th century charismatic Christianity. She um, While attending a revival meeting in 1907, she met Jane, Robert James Simple, a Pentecostal missionary from Ireland. So she dedicated her life to Jesus, converted to Pentecostalism. Uh, after a short courtship, they married in 1908. Simple was a uh, foundry worker and priest at the local Pentecostal mission. The, uh, then she felt a calling to go preach. Um... Well, the uh, she was said to have been kidnapped, and that led to uh, a lot of um, publicity, of course. In fact, it caused a media frenzy. Disappeared in May of 1926, reappeared in Mexico five weeks later, said she'd been held for ransom in a desert shack. Subsequent grand jury inquiries uh, caused a continued public interest. It was May 18, 1926. She vanished from Ocean Park Beach in Santa Monica. 
thinking she had drowned. Searchers combed the area. The uh, sightings were reported around the country. The temple received calls and letters claiming they, the, the sender knew where she was. There were also ransom demands. After weeks of dead-end leads, her mother declared her daughter to be dead. Well, three days after that, on June 23rd, the mother got a call from Douglas, Arizona. Her daughter was alive in a Douglas hospital. She said, oh, she was at the beach, got approached by a couple who wanted her to pray over their sick child. She walked with them to their car. She was shoved inside. Chloroform was put over her face. Eventually, she wound up in a shack in the Mexican desert. While her captors were away, she said she escaped out a window. The, uh, her return to Los Angeles was greeted with a crowd of up to 50,000 people. A greater turnout than President Woodrow Wilson's 1919 visit to Los Angeles. Well, there were allegations that uh, her 1926 kidnapping was actually her going off to spend time with a lover. I don't know that it was ever proved one way or the other. The... Um, Nineteen twenty-seven. On this date, the Bass School disaster. Forty-five people, including a lot of children, were killed by bombs planted by a disgruntled school board member in Bath Township, Michigan. Nineteen twenty-seven also saw a nationalist government, after being founded for twenty years, approves Tung He University to be among the first national universities for the Republic of China. Nineteen thirty-three. FDR signs an act creating the Tennessee Valley Authority. 1944, World War II Battle of Monte Cassino. Conclusion after seven days of the fourth battle as uh, German paratroopers evacuate Monte Cassino. 1944 also saw the deportation of Crimean Tartars by the Soviet Union. 1948, the first legislative yawn of the Republic of China officially convened in Nanking. 1953, Jacqueline Cochran becomes the first woman to break the sound barrier. 1955, Operation Passage to Freedom, the evacuation of 310,000 Vietnamese civilian soldiers, non-Vietnamese members of the French Army from Communist North Vietnam to South Vietnam, follows the end of the First Indochina War. It ended on, the uh, Operation Passage to Freedom ended on this date in 55. 1965, Israeli spy Eli Cohen is hung in Damascus, Syria. 1969, Apollo program. Apollo 10 is launched. 1973, Aeroflot Flight 109 is hijacked mid-flight, and the aircraft is subsequently destroyed when the hijacker bomb explodes, killing all 82 people on board. 1974, nuclear weapons testing. Under Project Smiling Buddha, India successfully detonates its first nuclear weapon becoming the sixth country to do so. 1977, Likud party wins the 1977 Israeli legislative election with Menachem Begin, its founder, as the sixth prime minister of Israel. 1980, Mount St. Helens erupts in Washington, kills 57 people and causes $3 billion in damage, and that's $1980. Also, 1980 on this date, students in Guangzhou, South Korea, began demonstrating calling for democratic reforms. And the sad thing is, most of the students didn't know they were in from a hole in the ground. They were just wanting to be known as activists. 1990, in France, modified TGV train achieves a new world speed record of 320.2 miles per hour. 1991, Southern Somalia declares independence and the rest of Somalia is the Republic of Somaliland. 1991, I'm sorry, 1993, riots in 
a Raybro Copenhagen caused by the approval of the four Danish exceptions to the Maastricht Treaty referendum. Police opened fire on civilians for the first time since World War II and injured 11 of the demonstrators. 1994, Israeli troops finished withdrawing from the Gaza Strip, ceding the area to the Palestinian National Authority to govern. 2005, the second photo from the Hubble Space Telescope confirms that Pluto has two additional moons, Nix and Hydra. 2006, the post-Lactantra Andolan government passes a landmark bill containing the power of the monarchy and making Nepal a secular country. 2009, the LTTE are defeated by the Sri Lankan government, ending almost 26 years of fighting between the two sides. 2015, at least 78 died in a landslide caused by heavy rains in the Colombian town of Selgar. 2018, a school shooting at Santa Fe High School in Texas kills 10 people. Also on this date in 2018, Cuban Aviation Flight 972 crashes in Santiago de Las Vegas after takeoff from Jose Martin International Airport in Havana, Cuba. Kills 112 of 113 people on board. And in 2019, U.S. presidential election, Joe Biden announces his presidential campaign. Well, it's interesting to note that uh, throughout our history segments, you see the same occurrences over and over and over. People shooting each other for no discernible reason. Well, we're going to do our, let's see. Our fourth segment of uh, the world's greatest mysteries. We're going to talk about the princes in the tower. The heirs to the throne of England mysteriously vanished. And for more than 500 years, people have wondered what happened to them. It's the greatest of Britain's unsolved mysteries. Who killed the two princes in the tower? There were Edward V, who was 12, and his brother Richard, Duke of York, who was 9. When their father, Edward IV, who was also one of my ancestors, died on April 4th, 1483, Edward was supposed to assume the throne. But their uncle, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, wanted to be king himself. So he got enough of the political support to be able to declare the princes illegitimate, making the throne his. And he put the two young brothers in the tower in London. Now, at that point in time, it was a royal residence and armory, not a the prison that it is today. Now, not everybody was convinced the princes were illegitimate, but Richard III was crowned June 26, 1483. By that point in time, the, the two princes no longer seen in the tower Playing outside, rumors circulated, possibly by Richard's enemies, that uh, he'd had them both murdered. Now, one of those enemies, Henry Tudor, used talk of the boy's murder to fuel an armed rebellion against Richard. Henry defeated the king's forces at the Battle of Bosworth in August of 1483. During the fighting, Richard was killed, and Henry VII assumed the throne. But all that aside... What happened to the princes in the tower? Well, in 1674, workmen at the Tower of London dug up a box containing two small human skeletons. Believed to be the remains of the two princes, the bones were interred in Westminster Abbey. 1930, uh, 1933, an uh, anatomist and a dental expert examined the bones and said they belonged to children about the same ages as the two boys. But there was no DNA proof that the bones belonged to the, the princes. So, as you might guess, we still don't have a solution to that particular mystery. Now, from missing princes, let's turn to the the man in the iron mask. This is a over 300-year-old mystery regarding the world's most famous prisoner. 
Now, the man in the iron mask was the name given to a prisoner who arrived at the Bastille, fortress prison in Paris, on September 18th, 1698. The man whose face was kept uh, mask arrived with uh, Benedict de Everdon uh, de St. Mars, the prison's new warden. Now, St. Mars brought the inmate from his previous position at the uh, Pinerolo, a French-run prison near Turin in Italy, where the captive had been held for at least 18 years. His name wasn't revealed, and so there was no record made in the prison records. Now, over the decades, the story took on the, something of a legend. And more than 300 years later, the prisoner's identity still remains a mystery. On the day of the Unnamed prisoner's death on November 19th, 1703, his jailer, Lieutenant uh, Etienne de Junca, wrote in his journal that the unknown prisoner who has worn a black velvet mask since his arrival in 1698 was dead. Now, the misconception that the prisoner wore an iron mask began with Voltaire's The uh, Century of Louis XIV historical work published in 1751. According to the book, the prisoner, who was an aristocrat, wore a riveted iron mask. And this um, inaccuracy, shall we say, was further uh, given life by Alexander Dumas's uh, The Man in the Iron Mask, which was published in 1847. In the novel, the prisoner's the twin brother of French King Louis the Fourteenth, and there were rumors that Louis did have a twin. Well, over the years, a number of candidates had been named as the uh, mysterious prisoner in the mask. Although far from confirmed, current scholarship points the finger to Eustace Dogger de Carvoya, valet for another inmate at uh, Penarolo, Nicolas Fouquet. Fouquet was a former superintendent of finances jailed by Louis XIV for embezzlement. He was also an employee of Cardinal Mazarin, the chief minister of France during Louis XIV's uh, childhood and youth. Cardinal amassed great wealth illegally, some of which he passed on to the king, a crime that was probably uh, made known to Daguerre in conversations with Fouquet. According to historian Paul Sonino, Delgado probably divulged the cardinal's illicit deeds and was jailed in order to silence him. According to Sonino, Delgado must have blabbed at the wrong time and to the wrong person. He was informed and arrested if he revealed his identity to anybody who would immediately be killed. And certainly that would uh, tend to uh, inhibit someone's freedom of speech. Well, from the man in the iron mask, let's talk about uh, novels. I'm talking about Shangri-La. Now, James Hilton's adventure novel, Lost Horizon, was published in 1933. And explorers have been trying to find the lost city of Shangri-La, the mysterious lamasery in Tibet, ever since. Now, his bestseller introduced readers to Shangri-La, a magical, powerful, snow-capped paradise at the Filled readers with a sense of optimism and hopeful, hopefulness, and uh, I mean, certainly it was a place of fantasy. 1937 film based on Hilton's book only increased people's curiosity and desire to seek out this legendary kingdom. Now, he was said to have gotten the inspiration for Lost Horizon from the writings of American botanist Joseph Rock, who explored remote regions of Tibet from 1922 to 1935 in search of hidden cultures. Some researchers uh, suggest Hilton's vision of a highly spiritual place, a storehouse for humankind's collective wisdom, could be based on the long-held traditions in the Far East. Early Buddhist texts described a place called uh, Shambhala, mythical kingdom and source of ancient wisdom located at the base of a mountain in Asia, north of India, maybe in the Himalayas or in the Kunlun Mountains of western China. According to Victoria Page in Shambhala, the fascinating truth behind the myth of Shangri-La, 
Rumors of this uh, earthly haven date back to ancient Greco-Roman times. Now, researchers and explorers have launched numerous expeditions to find the real-life Shangri-La. Many people believe uh, it actually exists. Russian philosopher Nicholas Royce mounted two large expeditions in 1925 and 1934. And although he failed to find a real place, he was convinced it existed based on conversations with Tibetan lamas. In 1938, a Nazi expedition led by Ernest Schaefer journeyed to Tibet to find evidence of uh, the ancient master race they firmly believe existed. Now, the explorers have named various places as a real-life model for Hilton Shangri-La, but uh, none have been formally recognized as the actual place. So until the actual location can be determined. The dream and hope of an earthly paradise of serenity and wisdom will continue to live on. Of course, if it was found and annexed by the the U.S., for example, it would take a year for Congress to screw it up so badly it wouldn't know if it was coming or going. Which is a sad thing about our political party. Well, somebody else who looked for lost cities was Percy Fawcett. He vanished looking for the lost city of Z. Now, he was a British explorer who risked death to find a mystical city deep in the thick jungles of the Amazon River bases. Now, when I was in South America, I heard stories about lost cities quite often. Now, Percy Fawcett was uh, no stranger to the jungles of South America. Between 1906 and 1924, he made seven expeditions to various uncharted regions in Brazil and Bolivia. Sometime about 1914, Fawcett, uh, largely encouraged by a mid-18th century Portuguese account of a large, hidden, very ancient city without inhabitants in the Amazon River basis, became convinced an ancient city did indeed lie in the Mato Grosso region of Southwest Brazil. He called this lost metropolis the mysterious city of Z. Well, after two failed expeditions to find Z in 1921, he attempted one final trip in April of 1925. On May 29th, after days of traveling through the jungle, his team wound up at uh, Dead Horse Camp. For five months, he sent dispatches back to the civilized world using native guides. And then the dispatches stopped. Fawcett and his team were never heard from again. Newspapers, of course, reported he was dead. Some people said he was living with natives in the jungle, and others claimed native Indians held him as a captive. Well, nearly a hundred would-be rescuers died searching for Fawcett, but no trace of him was ever found. There's no doubt he was on the right track. Numerous ruins of jungle cities have been uncovered in present-day Mato Grasso which was Fawcett's uh, ultimate objective. Then we have the mysterious El Dorado, legendary place of vast gold riches in northern South America. It's lured hundreds of treasure seekers to their deaths. In the 16th and 17th centuries, European explorers of the New World came to believe there was a city of extraordinary wealth hidden somewhere in the Amazonian rainforest. Spanish explorers learned of the legend of El Dorado, the Golden Man, when they arrived in present-day Colombia and Peru in the early uh, 16th century. According to the legend, a tribe called the Muisca conducted an inauguration ceremony at uh, Lake uh, Guadavita, near modern-day Bogota in Colombia. Nicky Bonnie, the new king, was covered with rosin and gold dust, man and four chiefs dressed in plumes, crowns, and bracelets of gold boarded a raft filled with gold and emeralds. And when the raft reached the center of the lake, the king and his cohorts threw all the riches into the water as an offering. February 1541, an expedition of 200 Spanish explorers and 4,000 Indian guides and porters went in search of El Dorado. And by the following February, half the Spaniards and three-quarters of the natives had died from malnutrition and illness. 
Then a failed expedition of 1569 cost the lives of an estimated 1,700 Spaniards and Indians. And in 1595, English explorer Sir Walter Raleigh launched yet another search for El Dorado and didn't find a thing. Drainage projects on uh, Lake Guadavita, the site of the ceremony, continued until 1965, when the Colombian government put an end to any further efforts. If, in fact, the legend was true, there'd be an unbelievable amount of wealth on the bottom of the lake. Well, our next mystery has been circulated for hundreds of years. The question was, was a group of 12th century wealth adventurers the first Europeans to land in Prison Bay, America? In other words, we're talking about the Welsh Indians. It was a popular colonial legend. They claimed Prince Madoc of Wales sailed to America in 1170 with about 100 men, women, and children to establish a colony. After finding abundant land, he returned to Wales to recruit more folks to uh, return with him and settle on the, on the new frontier. Madoc was never heard from again. As America was uh, colonized, tales of Madoc were renewed. Colonists claimed the explorer as uh, Madoc left behind and intermarried with the Indian tribes. Settlers also reported numerous encounters with the explorer's descendants, Welsh-speaking Indians who eventually settled in the Midwest, or maybe it was the Great Plains. No reliable evidence to substantiate the stories as ever surfaced, though we're left to wonder if there were even some truth to the Madoc story. After all, historians are certain Vikings landed in Newfoundland about 1000 A.D. They could reach the New World. Why couldn't Madoc and his band of followers? Certainly that would uh, possibly solve a lot of um, ancient mysteries, though it would probably create a bunch of new ones. Well, let's go to China and talk about the Emperor's Guardians. Thousands of life-size terracotta statues protect a revered leader's tomb and ensure him safe passage to the afterlife. Well, it all began in March of 1974. Peasants digging a well in Shanghai province in northwest China made a shocking discovery of what would prove to be one of the most... Uh, Significant archaeological finds of the 20th century. After unearthing pieces of a clay figure, the workers notified Chinese authorities, who, of course, sent government archaeologists to the site. And the experts uncovered thousands of life-size terracotta soldiers and horses hidden in pits beneath the ground for more than 2,000 years. The pits lay about three-quarters of a mile from the tomb of Wing Shi Huang, the first emperor of China. In all, four massive pits containing an estimated 8,000 terracotta figures, including officers and armored and unarmored infantrymen, archers, cavalrymen, chariot drivers, horses, chariots. Several horses made of bronze were also recovered. Now, amazingly, each warrior had distinctive personal features, different facial expressions, different postures. Some of the figures wore goatees, others had full beards, some had top knots, others braided hair. Some wore battle armor and some had loose blouses. They wore either long or short trousers, sport caps or pillbox hats. Originally, each figure was painted in bright colors, which of course over the 2,000 years has flaked off or faded. The emperor had the extraordinary army built to accompany him on his journey to the afterlife and to protect his nearby mausoleum from uh, enemy armies and grave robbers. When 13-year-old Queen Shi Huang became ruler of the Qin tribe in uh, 246 B.C., rival states in China battled each other for dominance. And this bloody conflict went on for 200 years. But after defeating and absorbing several warring factions, Qin actually unified China. 
He established a powerful central government by building roads and waterways and fortifications by standardizing weights, measures, and writing and currency systems. Well, shortly after he died in 2010 B.C., the empire fell into disarray and eventually civil war. Rampaging forces uh, set up on the pits, destroying many of the clay soldiers and stealing the real weapons with which the armies originally fitted. Today, you can see the remaining assemblage of clay warriors at the Terracotta Army Museum, built at the site of the pits. Of course, you have to wonder, why did he think a Terracotta Army would be effective in guarding what he left on uh, in this world. Well, from the Terracotta Army, let's talk about the Rosetta Stone. An unremarkable slab of thick black stone that unlocked the secrets of the most enduring civilization ever known to mankind. It was in July of 1798. French military leader Napoleon launched a campaign to seize control of Egypt. After severing defeats at the hands of British forces, he instructed his army to strengthen fortifications. July 19, 1799, while French troops were reinforcing the defenses of Fort Julien in the port city of Rosetta in northeast uh, Egypt, a soldier noticed a fragment of carved stone with inscriptions on one side lying in the rubble. Expedition scientists uh, determined the stone contained writings of three different scripts, hieroglyphics, demotic, which is a Widely used Egyptian writing in Greek. Well, the stone, of course, was immediately sent to Cairo to be studied further by French experts. In the fall of 1801, the French defeated, excuse me, uh, the, the French were defeated by the British, and the British took ownership of that slab, other artifacts, and spoils of war. Rosetta Stone's a fragment of an Egyptian stella. Stone slab containing governmental uh, or uh, religious text. Made of granodiorite, an igneous rock, and measures 46 inches high, 30 inches wide, and 12 inches deep. Buffed to high polish, it weighed more than three quarters of a ton. Stone held the key to unraveling the mysteries of Egyptian hieroglyphics because it repeats the same text in all three languages. And once scholars translated the familiar languages of Greek and Demotic, they'd be one step closer to deciphering the hieroglyphics. Those symbols had baffled archaeologists for centuries. Well, scholars soon found themselves in a heated competition to translate the inscriptions. In 1802, British clergyman intellectual Stephen Weston translated the Greek inscription. That same year, French linguist Antoine Isaac Silvestri de Sassi and uh, Swedish Orientalist uh, John David Akerbad interpreted the demotic writing. It was a decree honoring the new king Ptolemy in 196 B.C. Well, in 1814, British scientist Thomas Young made important breakthroughs on the hieroglyphics, but still hadn't solved the riddle. Finally, in 1822, French linguist John Francois Champollion cracked the code, showing the hieroglyphics was not simply picture writing, but instead a phonetic and ideographic language, like most languages. The code decrypted thousands of inscriptions on tombs and temples and monuments and papyri could be deciphered, which revealed many of the ancient Egyptian uh, secrets to the world. Well, from the Rosetta Stone, let's turn to uh, relics of the Queen Pharaoh. Some Symbolic artifacts belonging to Egypt's controversial female pharaoh surfaced at a Canadian university of all places. February 2012, researcher Luther Sosa was uh, sorting through the University of Winnipeg's uh, Hetherington collection of ancient Egyptian artifacts, and he noticed two unusual wooden objects, a tiny 12-inch hoe and a set of uh, miniature rockers. When he inspected them, he found hieroglyphics on the object spelling out the name uh, Makari, the throne name of uh, Queen uh, Hatshepsut, uh, Egyptians, uh, the Egyptian pharaoh who ruled from 1479 to 1458 B.C. These objects have been first been discovered at Hatshepsut's uh, funerary temple in Deir el-Bari, about 400 miles south of Cairo in the 1880s. 
Now, she was a daring, controversial figure, described as both an effective ruler and a scheming, power-hungry politico. She initiated massive building projects, erecting roadways and temples, and including her own at uh, Deir el-Bare, with uh, pools and gardens and scores of statues of the female pharaoh. Historians note that the queen pharaoh also brought peace and prosperity to the kingdom. But when her tomb was discovered in 1927, archaeologists found the statues of the ruler smashed to bits. Culprit might have been uh, Tutmos III, her rival for the throne, who tried to wipe her memory and name from history. She was his regent, I think, if I remember the story correctly, until he, she died and he ascended the throne. Well, let's talk about another interesting mystery of history. The Nazca Lines, found in a remote desert in South America, that has the most striking and puzzling geoglyphs in the New World. Now, etched into the desert floor between the Ingenio and Nazca River valleys in southern Peru are hundreds of gigantic straight lines, geometric shapes and figures of trees and flowers and animals. Inscriptions stretch for... Um, about 37 miles and cover an area of about 200 square miles. Called the Nazca Lines for the Nazca people who inhabited the area about 1,500 to 2,000 years ago, the markings are going to be seen from the air. Now, the Nazca made the lines by scraping away the rocks that covered the desert surface to reveal the whitish-gray soil of sand, clay, and calcite beneath. And because the desert uh, there gets less than half an inch of rainfall annually and the climate's Nearly windless, enormous geoglyphs uh, remain unscathed by the ravages of erosion. Numerous theories have been suggested to explain the purpose of the Nazca Lines. Many researchers believe the lines were constructed for religious or ritual purposes, maybe as a mean of communicating to the Nazca spirits in the sky. Some claim the figures represent constellations or serve as a type of astronomical observatory. However, in spite of very detailed research by a number of experts from around the world. The meaning of the inscriptions still remain unknown. We may never know what they mean. Well, let's talk about the tomb of the Lord of Saipan. And disturbed burial place of a prominent, godlike leader yield unimaginable riches from ancient Peru. This mystery became into prominence in 1987 when Peruvian archaeologist Walter Alva discovered an extraordinary treasure trove of pristine tombs at Huaco Rijada in Saipan in Peru. Tombs are left by the Mocha culture, which flourished in that region from about 100 to 800 A.D. And of course, the most magnificent tomb belonged to the Lord of Saipan, El Senor de Saipan, a warrior priest whose mummy was adorned with ornaments of gold, silver, copper, and semi-precious stones. Held a golden scepter in his hand and wore copper sandals. And guarding his sarcophagus was the skeleton of a man in a seated position wearing a helmet and holding a shield. Archaeologists call him the guardian. His feet had been amputated, so he could never leave his post. Six other individuals are also found there. Three young women, two men, and a child. These were probably the wives and warrior bodyguards and child of the powerful and wealthy Lord of Saipan. There was a third tomb filled with gold and treasure. Contained also contained the bodies of a man related to the Lord, a woman, and another guardian. And all 14 tombs were found in Saipan. The riches recovered from these tombs are permanently displayed at the Museo Tumbas Reales de Saipan in uh, Peru. But it is interesting to note that for hundreds of years, nobody had any idea those tombs existed. Well, let's talk about the, the chalk giant of Cerny Abbas. An ancient naked man, etched onto an English hillside, 
continues to cause awe and amazement and offense. Carved into the chalk bedrock of a hill near the village of Cerny Abbas in southern England is an enormous naked figure. 180 feet tall. He carries a 120-foot knob club in his right hand with his left arm outstretched. This depiction of the male human form is known as the Cerny Abbas giant, or also known as the rude man. First known written account of the giant appears in a letter written by local historian John Hutchins in 1751. He claimed the figure was probably cut into the hillside in the mid-17th century. Both Hutchins and 20th-century British historian uh, Ronald Hutton suggest service of Lord Hollis, the landowner at the time, might have done the deed. But there's no evidence to support this theory. Researchers do know the figure was made by slicing away the turf on the hill to expose the white chalk beneath. Some people believe the giant is the, the Greek-Roman demigod Hercules, who's often depicted naked, carrying a club and an animal skin. The Hercules cult, maybe a local Celtic tribe in Roman-controlled Britain in the 2nd century A.D., may have created the figure. Others suggest it's a pagan symbol of fertility. In 2008, ground penetration technology revealed the figure at one time held an animal skin in his left hand, which further supports the Hercules theory or suggesting the figure was a depiction of a hunter. Well, to combat the ill effects of erosion and weathering, the volunteers periodically excavate the existing chalk outline of the figure to greater depth and then pour in new chalk. The, uh, of course, the Christian missionaries immediately wanted it destroyed because it was uh, an offense. Well, let's turn to the Teotihuacan, the Mesoamerican metropolis, which has yielded few uh, clues about its once magnificent culture. That was the largest and most influential Mesoamerican city of pre-Columbian times. After the ruins in its wake, but little is known about its inhabitants. Located on a 7,500-foot high plateau in central Mexico, about 25 miles northeast of Mexico City, that this uh, ancient city covers an area of about nine square miles. Two enormous pyramids and a large wide avenue dominate the site. Origins of Teotihuacan are, for the most part, lost to history, as is the identity of the people who actually built the city. Archaeologists estimate the city was established about 100 B.C., centuries before the arrival of the Aztecs to the region. An ongoing uh, construction continued until about 250 A.D. Aztecs named the place Teotihuacan, which means the place of those who have the road of the gods in their native uh, Natalt uh, language. A road on the north-south axis, uh, named the Avenue of the Dead, runs for more than two miles. And along its course was Las uh, Ciudadela, the Citadel, a royal residential complex that includes the six-tiered temple of Quetzalcoatl, decorated with carvings of the fire serpent and the feathered serpent. Quetzalcoatl, uh, of course, was the feathered serpent. About 200 victims of human sacrifices have been found at the temple. Well, drought began the city's descent to anonymity with the final blow coming about 700 A.D. when the city was sacked and burned by invaders from the north. So came to an end one of the ancient world's most glorious civilizations, whoever they might have been. Well, then we have the New Grange Passage Grave just north of Dublin. The dwelling on the Borne is a complex of various prehistoric monuments on a hill overlooking the River Borne in the county Meath, and which, of course, is just north of Dublin. The dwelling contains more than 35 passage graves, tombs covered in a mound of earth or stone, reached through a narrow passageway of stones. The finest of the tombs is Newgrange, built about a little over 5,000 years ago. Many modern scholars believe the prehistoric builders in New Grange uh, erected the monument not only as a burial place for the dead, but uh, 
as an astronomical calendar. That is their go-to solution for any mystery. Every year around December 21st, the rays of the rising sun enter a narrow opening above the mound's entrance to light up the long passageway and illuminate the furthest points of the chamber. This occurrence, the winter solstice, marks the shortest day of the year. Well, then we got the the band of holes. Thousands of orderly man-made holes run up a mountainside in Peru's Pisco Valley. 2014, Charles Standish, an expert on Inca archaeology at the University of California in Los Angeles, got a call from a man in Pittsburgh asking what he thought of the strange stories of ground pits in Peru's Pisco Valley. They're commonly called the Band of Holes. Now, unaware of the site, although it was only a 10 miles from the site he had excavated in uh, Chincha Valley, Professor Stanis checked it out on Google Earth and saw satellite imagery of thousands of small artificial cavities running up the side of a mountain. So he organized a team to investigate this bizarre anomaly. 2015. Stanish and colleague uh, Henry Tantaleon uh, set out for Mount Siepe, the mountain on which the impressions appeared. A quick survey revealed the holes were about three feet wide and 20 to 40 inches deep into the soil. Many of the holes were surrounded by small rocks on the surface. The uphill road of holes stretched for about a mile. Aerial images taken by a drone revealed between 5,000 and 6,000 of these holes divided into subgroups. Some had digital rows of holes, and others had regular perpendicular rows. One grouping was hourglass-shaped. The team also found pottery dating to the 16th century uh, Incan occupation of the region. Now, Stanish, of course, was not the first to discover the unusual rays. In 1933, geographer Robert Shippey published an aerial photograph of the Band of Holes in National Geographic. An earlier archaeologist surveyed the area, one claiming the holes were unused graves and another suggesting the Incas used the holes for storage. So why did the Incas expend such great effort digging holes in the ground? What was the purpose? Well, Stanish believes he has the answer. Montesiepe is about four miles from Tambo, Colorado, a large Incan administrative center. And the holes appear on a road leading directly to Tambo, Colorado. Professor believes the holes are used to measure produce, such as beans or squash, as tribute or uh, taxes paid to the Incan state. Citizens would fill the holes with foodstuffs and to watch by live state accountants who recorded the amounts placed into the hole. And while this is not my field of investigation, I have to say that is one of the dumbest ideas I put forward by somebody who should know better. Well, on that note, we come to the end of our fourth delve into uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Till tomorrow, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show, saying have a truly great evening.